Let's get into it. Cool, man. So I got a little checklist for us, a pre-recording checklist. So silence your phones. Do not disturb. God, turn me away. Speak into this. You probably know what that is. Feel free to speak freely and like we can slice stuff out if we need to. Okay. I'm checking my levels. My clock is moving. From Hypebeast Radio, I'm Jeff Staple, and this is The Business of Hype, a show about creative entrepreneurs, brand builders, innovators, and the realities behind the dreams they've built. Okay, do me a favor. Do this. Take a camera, hold it in your hand, extend your arm outward and slightly up at a 40-degree angle. Now turn the camera back towards your own face and film yourself. What you're doing is obviously a selfie. Now, according to the Oxford English Dictionary, the word selfie was first used back in 2013, a little over five years ago. But back on March 24th, 2009, which is over nine years ago, a man named Levi Maestro donned a pair of unreleased Nike Air Yeezys and attempted to slam dunk a basketball using the same exact camera technique. The sensationalism of wearing those shoes to do that went viral. Kanye West himself posted the video on his own Kanye University blog. It put Levi and his signature shooting style on the map. From there, Levi would go on to make some of the most influential videos documenting this culture, and he'd be an inspirational voice for young creators everywhere. All right, um, so let's start. You know, I think like on these shows, I like to sort of just bypass a lot of like the the biography stuff that like people could just look up online and in other interviews. And I kind of want to dive deeper, but um, just for the people who really don't know, like just introduce yourself, who you are and what you do. I'm Levi Maestro or Levy. If we're uh, in Europe, we're talking to (laughs) Europeans and I make ideas. I just decided that last week, actually (laughs) I've been making videos for many years uh, you know, the consulting kind of thing here and there, a little bit of uh, product um, development. I'm always very careful not to call myself an artist or a director because I hold those terms in such high regard. But I was thinking, yeah, I make ideas. Okay, that's a good one. And I'm living in Los Angeles. I think the biggest revelation so far is that you could pronounce your name Levy. That's kind of cool. Yeah, right? Do you like Levy? Yeah, totally. I mean, it's... Uh, it's kind of exotic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Levy. It's, it just it makes you laugh, you know? Right. But uh, it's very true. It's, it's funny when you begin to hang out in different places and with different people, the things that you pick up on. A lot of people, almost everyone new that I meet asks me, where is your accent from? And I tell them I don't have one and they, they for sure insist that I do. And I say, oh, well, if I do, it's from hanging around too many foreign people. Mm. Because, you know, you pick up on things without knowing it, their inflection, their tone, the way they say a word. And then you mimic it because you like it and you don't even notice. Yeah. So I, I always notice that, yeah, the Europeans and Hispanic, Latin as well, Levy. Mm-hmm. Levy. Yeah. But then everyone kind of comes with the thing right after with Levi's. Oh, like the pants. <laughs> yeah, like them. <laughs> right. Um, I think a lot of people who are listening might know you for your videography work, right? Um, do you still consider yourself like 
is, is that your yeah. preferred craft? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Very much so. So when you say maker of ideas, yeah. it's currently through the, the guise of video. Totally. I mean, there, there is a few... Yes. <laughs> yeah. Go on. Well, because each day, yeah. you know, there's so many thoughts running through my head. And I suppose a greater percentage of them are ideas. And so then you try to f- finesse those things into something mm-hmm. uh, or some things. And it's, it's a danger zone as well, right? Because too many ideas is not a good thing. <laughs> ideas are very easy, you know. Mm-hmm. I've never been impressed with anyone with ideas, mm. nor I don't think anyone should be. It's about uh, the quality of them, obviously, and, and, and how you can execute and bring them to life. Yeah. So, uh, so much so that I actually gave up or turned away or molded everything in my life into just making videos now. Because this was where I began and um, it's that age-old classic idea that you should do one thing and do it well. Mm -hmm. At least before you try to go do other things. Because a lot of times, especially today, everything's right in front of us. Yeah. You get an opportunity to do something else that's super attractive and you go and before you know it, you're several hundred yards away from where you're supposed to be, you know? Mm Uh, so you can you can barely make it out, right? Right. If you're several hundred yards away, you definitely can't hear anything. Yeah. And you can barely see it. Right. <laughs> and it's like you're so far away, maybe from like what you're meant to be doing. Right. You know. Yeah. So I I'm super excited actually, and and feel this awesome simplicity mm-hmm. of just paying attention to. Okay, I'm going to make videos each day now mm-hmm. not to say that i can actually make them every single day but that's where my priorities are Word. so you have ideas now but and you try to now redirect them through the through the lens no pun intended yeah. of like a video totally versus before like you were dabbling in many different mediums yeah uh, several years ago for sure um are you pretty good at now knowing like to me like the real power is Across this line is going to be a regretful action, but you haven't crossed that mm-hmm. line yet. Self control. Self control. Like, mm-hmm. are you good at now saying like that's a regretful area that I shouldn't step in? And maybe then you I could consciously so. still do it because yeah. you've sort of weighed out the pros and the cons. Right. But or or are you still learning? Like, oh shit, I did it again. <laughs> you know, for me, the the more proper decision making. I've always been pretty good at. It's the stuff that when you don't realize you're making a decision that I'm not. So for instance, you know, just a common day, the type of things that can be uh, distractors, social media, um, going out to eat, Mm -hmm. simple things that you don't realize are decisions. Mm -hmm. Totally. This I'm not so good at. Yeah. <laughs> That's good at you. But the first step is recognizing. Totally. <laughs> totally. Right? You're, you're so true. It, it, it can even be like what you choose to eat. Yeah. Like, you know, like I'm going to go, sometimes like you go healthy and then like the whole day is productive. But then like you start the day with like, I'm going to get some french fries and a burger and it just, 
kiboshes your whole day. Yeah. yeah. What is this kibosh? I've never heard of this. Kibosh? I don't know. It's an expression for, de- it's like destroy. Okay. I don't know. I, sh- I should check the etymology of that, though. Definitely Google that one shortly here. <laughs> You've never heard of the term? Kibosh? Absolutely not. <laughs> nice. All right. Um, so going back to creating content and video, um, you were probably, you know, just going back in the early days, I think, you were known you know, for one of the earliest people to utilize video in a whole new manner, yeah. right? I mean, this goes back to like, for sure, pre-Instagram, pre-Twitter, yeah. maybe we're talking like just blogging, like blogging was maybe around, and then you started to do this new video format, which at the time, in my opinion, and to the peers that like were sort of in the industry, were really innovative and different. And I would say that that was probably validated by the number of like major corporations that wanted to fuck with you immediately. Yeah. Right. You were onto something for sure. So take us back to that, that time. How did you get the video camera in your hands and starting to create? Um, And you could go back as far as you want. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Well, actually I do want to bring up this cool memory that just clicked you and I met in uh, 2009, in the summer of 2009 at Bread and Butter in Berlin. Our friend that. Phil, Phil G, introduced us. And um, there's one of the people that called me Levy right there. <laughs> and um, I was six months into making my show, Maestro Knows. And it was the very beginning of things really starting to crack off for client work and, um, and me building a career out of things. And I met you because we went to dinner, but we didn't really connect. And then I put out the video and you had saw it. And you, I remember you tweeted mm-hmm. something, I believe, comparing me to the guy who photographed Obama. You were saying, like, I am to street culture what that guy is to Obama. And I thought that was so unique. And so I remember that being kind of our first interaction. And that, I think that's when I realized as well that... Uh, that's sort of where I see you also in this culture. You're this person who sort of takes notice on a little deeper level of what anyone is doing that you think is unique. So I think that's super cool. Thank you. And uh, as far as um, those special days of the early internet and, and video, I put out my first episode of Maestro Knows, which is a show about what I say is my life and friends Mm -hmm. because I wanted to highlight creative people that I thought were badass. And, uh, you know, I do most of the heavy lifting. So I would play the personality and kind of storyline it, so to speak, which really always happened as we were doing it. (laughs) Um, but with good intent, because the idea was that We'll pick a location or we'll pick an activity. Mm -hmm. But as far as what we're talking about, we know what to talk about. Mm -hmm. This is us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And in March 2009, uh, you're right. This was pre-Instagram, I believe. Maybe they were in beta or something and no one knew. Twitter was there. I had actually joined Twitter the day I put up my first video, March 24th. Uh, because it was a big day on the internet for me. Kanye West had posted the very first episode on his website. I think uh, Virgil, I think, got it from Hype Beast. And Virgil was posting on Kanye University mm-hmm. at the time, which 
was also a very special thing in the internet days. It I mean, was. For an artist or celebrity of this caliber to be doing any form of blogging <laughs> or to have even a, a frequently updated website yeah. was one of a kind. Right. And for it to be that guy was just a really special time. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when I was having the idea... At the end of 2008, I went on a tour with this guy, Anthony Hamilton, who's an awesome R&B singer. And uh, I think we went to 26 cities and I made a short one to three minute video for every city that we went to. Just cut it up each night on the bus. Mm -hmm. And it was such a fun, cool thing. And at the time, no one was really even doing that. So I wasn't even in those videos. I was just making them about him. But it felt very obvious and very necessary to me that artists should be doing that Mm -hmm. you know 2008 i think youtube launched in 06 maybe 05 the first time i ever uploaded something onto youtube was not even for me it was for someone else Mm -hmm. i leaked a video back in the day (laughs) um was in 2007 a music video you leaked Mm -hmm. yeah like with permission from the director because some artist label thing they couldn't so anyway that was uh 2007 so youtube i think so six or something which is just insane to think my god only 10 years man yeah only 10 years ago this happened uh the only other player i knew before then was like daily motion which i think is from france and this is all talking about video being hosted online yeah I never touched YouTube because I felt that I did not want to be associated with its content, which was primarily videos of cats, bums fighting, yeah, uh, random stuff. It was like the junk food of video content, yeah. like just crap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There weren't even real videos, let alone someone trying to make a show, right? Right. Um, that I had seen. But there was Vimeo, and Vimeo felt like this sort of better-looking player indie option. Again, no one was making their own show on it, but I just guessed that this is where media was going to go. The idea of online series and Mm. people just figuring it all out and putting everything there. Mm. So um, the way that I started making my videos, which was in you know, what is now called selfie style or Mm -hmm. vlogging style. Again, March 09, that was pre both of those words. Another insane thing to think about because I feel like the word selfie has been around my entire life and it's only eight years old. Yeah. But when you were doing this style, like that you call selfie style, like I still think of it as Levi style. Cool. Because <laughs> I never see, like I before I've never seen Hilarious. someone walking around with an extended straight arm camera yeah. facing themselves. Giant camera, man. For <laughs> Giant real. heavy ass camera. For real. Yeah. And so here's the most beautiful piece of the puzzle to me. Maestro knows the title was not what it seems to be. It's not, here's the things Maestro knows or here's the people Maestro knows. It's about, when I moved to LA, I wanted to be this guy, Dave Myers. He's one of the greatest music video directors of all time and I interned for him. If I could have written my future, it would have been to be just like him. Mm -hmm. 
And even today, I think, hey, that's still pretty, that would have been a great reality, you know. But I didn't feel that it was going there and I didn't feel that was my route. And the style of video that I knew how to make was skateboarding videos. That's how I ever first picked up a video camera. And there's this thing in skateboarding when you film people and your friend will land a trick, a lot of times the filmer would take the camera, turn it on them, and either put their hand over the camera or or say something, like kind of claim it yeah. you know, uh, as a homie would. Interesting. You know, whatever it might have been. Like to show their excitement yeah, what they exactly. just saw. exactly. Yeah. I just had that natural urge to know that I could turn the camera on myself mm -hmm. and with a wide-angle lens... You, you can see a yeah. lot still. Yeah. So that was the title. I'm Maestro and this is the style of video that I know how to make. Mm -hmm. I see. And that's how I decided this could work. I can film it. I can edit it. I can be the personality slash host. Uh -huh. And I'm just going to tell stories. Okay. That's so dope. Thanks, man. What Levi does here that I love is that he took something from his roots of skateboarding and making skate videos and applied them to the new format he was working on. Instinctively, he wanted to turn the camera on himself to sort of sign the piece. But he didn't check himself and say, oh, this isn't a skate video, so I shouldn't be doing this. It's actually the remixing of different techniques from different mediums that made his new style totally unique. You remember the first interview you did mm -hmm. in that style? Absolutely. The first one I did was on Anthony Hamilton because it was right after we came off the tour. And it's a great, like, it's one of my favorites. I, I think the guy's phenomenal. However, when I was getting ready to launch it, so this is a story, this is, I don't think I've ever told. Um... You know, I had the first Air Yeezys three weeks before they came out. And they came out, I believe, in the top of April of 09. Because when the video came out, it was still ahead of the shoes. That's why a lot of people were freaking out. My first ever episode was on the Nike Air Yeezy. Mm -hmm. It was actually the second one I shot. The reason why it moved up to the first one is because one day, an unmarked box showed up outside of my apartment... And I opened it, and it was the gray Air Yeezy Nike, right? And uh, I, at the time, the only social media I had was Facebook. So I took a photo of it. I posted it on my Facebook. It was some other people in L.A. that had them. People were blogging and this and that. People were freaking out when they saw the picture on my Facebook. At this time, I'm no one. Like, I'm just a local kid who a couple people know. I got no following, no nothing. So there's just some friends bugging out that someone they knew had the shoes. Mind you, I don't believe there was even product shots of the shoe at the time. Don C, I know, had a cell phone image that had leaked onto Kanye's site. But this was pretty crazy to see the shoe, let alone someone holding it on video. Yeah. So I got the shoe three weeks early, and I thought, man, what could I do with this that would be exceptional? Posting it on Facebook, who cares, right? Mm -hmm. So I thought, oh man, I should go try to dunk in these shoes because I've always wanted to dunk. And it would be quite hilarious that people would, would see them on a basketball court, you know? So I did that. I went and shot the video. I cut it up. 
And I made that my very first episode. I also contacted Hypebeast and asked them, hey, I really like this blog page that you guys are doing. You had one already at the time. On um, Hypebeast? Yeah. Remember when they had their page of blog? It was about 40 different people, uh -huh. mostly people like you who own brands or were part of the industry for, for a pretty serious cause. And I said, but you know, you don't have anyone blogging who's young. At that time, I'm thinking young, I'm 20 years old, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone's like a real adult. <laughs> and, uh, and you don't have anyone from the West Coast. I think the only person they had was maybe Huff and maybe Eddie Cruz had one at that time. Maybe he didn't. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was able to convince them. Kevin Ma ended up uh, allowing me to have a blog on there. So that's how the very first day it, it, it went up. Uh, well, a week previous, I had put out a trailer. <laughs> About a, a minute. Teaser of, of, of what, no, of what the Maestro Knows show would be. Oh, okay. This is still on Vimeo. It's the very first video uploaded. It's like a minute and a half. Yeah. So they posted that. And then the next week, they posted this uh, Yeezy video. And this started it all, oh, man. Oh, wow. So I didn't, I didn't realize that there was a link already between Hypebeast and Maestro Knows from the beginning. Yeah, they were straight up like where it sprouted from. Because I wrote them this email and I'd have to look back at it. I hope it didn't sound cocky. But I remember writing it with confidence like I had explained. You don't have anyone young and from the West Coast. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be making this show each week that will have relevant um people and content to your website yeah so it like it would behoove you to post these <laughs> right because you post content anyway mm -hmm. and i'm gonna post something to where you're not producing it or making it but you're basically sourcing it you yeah. know so it, it was kind of like a very loose partnership in a way so i want to go back to anthony hamilton because he's a pretty big respected artist how did you get involved with him oh man this is um this is two things, right? Speaking things into existence and also everything happens for a reason. So I've, I really loved his music. Mm -hmm. He was one of my favorite. Uh, I, I love R&B and soul music. And when I moved out to Los Angeles, I worked at a restaurant on Sunset Boulevard called Katana, which it's still there. And at the time was definitely one of the hot spots in L.A. Jordan Brand actually throw Anthony a dinner, uh, some honorary dinner for an award he was nominated for. And he came into the restaurant and he was on his way to the bathroom. And I said, hey, man, uh, I want you were to... Wait, you were a waiter? Or I was uh, running food. Okay, so I'm bringing food, food to everyone's table, right? Okay. I, I saw him and I stopped him. I said, hey, I just want to tell you I'm a huge fan. I actually just moved to L.A. and I saw your show two months ago, you know. And he said, oh, thanks. He said, what's your name? And I told him. He said, what's your last name? I told him. And I thought, oh, that's very sincere. And he spoke to me for like two minutes. Mm -hmm. I'm going to come to know in the future. That's just how this guy is. He's yeah. amazing. So fast forward, I think, two years roughly. Hancock Park. I'm moving into this apartment building. I'm breaking my lease from where I'm moving. I only had lived there four months and it was too loud. I couldn't sleep. I found this other building. I'm going to sign my papers for an apartment and I show up and the woman's not there, the, the landlady. So I'm ringing and ringing and ringing. I wait 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Finally, I see her come out to the lobby and she has this group of people with her. Mm -hmm. Looked like she had just shown them an apartment. 
She opens the door. I walk in. It's Anthony Hamilton, his manager, his, their wives. And I said, wow. Mm-hmm. Hey, man, I don't know if you remember me, but uh, I used to work at Katana. And, I, and he said, oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, how you been? This, this and that. Oh, so what are you doing? I said, oh, well, I'm signing an apartment to here today. He said, oh, me too. <laughs> wow, you're kidding me, right? How are you so, affording an apartment that also this Grammy Award winning? It was an old hotel. Uh-huh. Really cool. They flipped it into apartments and it had some units that were just so tiny. Okay. God knows what kind of rooms they were before. So you got the tiny room. Like a laundry room or something that turned into my apartment and then he has like the a nice house. property. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so then Do you think he actually remembered you? I think he did face-wise, right? Yeah, yeah. Like a lot of right. people remember faces. I don't think he know my name. <laughs> I don't think he even know what I do, whatever. Because he asked me. I uh-huh. tell him I'm making videos. So a month later after that, he pops out the elevator while I'm walking through the lobby. As we catch up and he tells me, I'm shooting a music video this weekend. Come by if you want. I said, great. I'll, I'll uh, shoot it behind the scenes for you so you can see what I do. And uh, we went. We did it. And... I, I showed it to him next time I saw him at the building. I mean, it was hilarious. Like, these are how things happening back in the day, right? Well, you made the video, you made the behind the scene video, but you had no way to show him. You had to run into I'm him sure, literally no, I'm again. I'm sure I had a contact. I probably had his email or a number or something. But I just, I saw him and I said, hey, and he comes into my apartment. I play it for him on the DVD player, right? It's so good, man. Like stories don't happen this way yeah, anymore. It's yeah. it's crazy. So uh he really liked it. Even wrote me a personal check that was was it the first check I ever got for make no. I had done some other brand work locally filming some parties and this and that. But it was the first thing creatively for something I definitely would have wanted to be doing. And he had slipped this check under my door one day. Jeff, I can't tell you how badly I wanted to never cash that check. Right. Because you lose the check. Because right? yeah. back in the day, yeah. you lost the check. <laughs> Today, you can photocopy and send it and they, no one ever touch it but you. Um, but it meant a lot. And so I think several weeks later, he calls me up and he said, hey, I'm going on a promo tour for six weeks. Mm-hmm. And I'd like you to come on the road with me and, and let's film some stuff. Yeah. Crazy. Oh, I said, man, cool. I'm there. So like, I want to go back a little bit because I think a lot of um, people comment on today's generation as having this feeling of entitlement. Okay. Yeah. That like whoever big star comes up to like sort of struggling creative and says, Hey, why don't you come to the shoot? And you know, like you right. offer to the BTS, you know, behind the scenes. I think a lot of people will be like, well, here's my rate. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah. like right off the bat, just be like how much you got, what's your budget. <laughs> and like, you just went into it and just fucking shot it knowing, thinking that you wouldn't get paid. Correct. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. But you did, but the dope thing is you did get paid. Yeah. I think it's a mix of both. There's a lot of people out there that still have super respect. Mm -hmm. And I think there's some others that just aren't hip to it. Yeah, like you say. And uh, who knows what's the right way to go about it. Do you remember how much that check was? Yeah, yeah, I do. I don't want to say. (laughs) Come on. It was nothing exceptional. It's just the point was it was the gesture, right? (laughs) Totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. (laughs) And then 
Um, back, back, switching back to that Yeezy story, like, how do you get the Yeezys three weeks early? Like, how, <laughs> like that's what the kids want to know, right? Like, wait, yeah, did you just yeah, show up at the sure. doorstep? Three, no, dude, you got to know Doesn't somebody. Doesn't that make such a more fun story? <laughs> a random unmarked box right. came to my door. I was shooting a few events locally for Nike West. Mm-hmm. So this woman, Lena Bautista, um, she was having me kind of do like these event coverages right. and she was sending them back to Nike internal. Mm-hmm. So funny with the whole video thing happening early as well. At this time, I mean, something equivalent to that today, they might actually put it somewhere, right? Yeah. <laughs> but Nike has no Twitter at this time. Uh-huh. No one's they don't have a, a video on their website. Right. They, they just... Hey, what are you guys doing with our money out there, right? And they're sending it back to Portland. Oh, yeah. here's this event we did. Right. It's like internal use only. Yeah. So yeah. I did a couple um, things like that. And I was sort of also, this was thanks to um, Arson from Hall of Fame because he referred me to, to them as kind of, oh, this is a local kid who's cool or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. It's how they were seeding stuff back in the day. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so Nike, also... Nike gave me a couple pairs of shoes previous to that. Mm-hmm. And then I got a text message one day that says, hey, do you like the Air Yeezys? And I, I just thought nothing of it because if you were to ask me, I would have told you 1,000% that shoe will never come out. Mm-hmm. I just didn't believe it. It seemed too... Yeah, right. right. You know? Oh, cool. They made a sample. Yeah, who cares? Yeah. It's Kanye West. He's a music artist. Uh-huh. Like they're not giving a music artist a shoe. Yeah. Nike doesn't do that. Right. Sport. We're yeah. so sport. That's how they always want to. Well, now they're changing things, but yeah. That's typically they're very scared to stray away from sport too much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking, shoes never coming out, let alone it's going to show up at my door. Right. right. So Arson from Hall of Fame, did he hook you up with the jobs too at Nike? No, that just sort of materialized how? because. Probably the same way that if I were a DJ, they would have gotten me to DJ their event. You know what I mean? Like, it yeah. it was oh you're 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 a cool kid. Right. We're gonna put product on you to you know be. I mean, this was influencer mm-hmm. before influencer was a thing to the yeah, world. Right. It was just a thing in the neighborhood mm-hmm. or a thing in the community. Yeah, yeah. But you, were you making money from those? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. So this was just. To get some from, from the events that I yeah. shot yeah. videos of, yes. Okay. Yeah. So you're making a little bit of money from that. Yeah. Okay. And did you have a full time job at this time? It was right there on the brink of having several jobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like what? There was a there was a summer that I worked sixty days in a row. I remember. I think sixty two days in a row. I had four jobs at that time. I was uh, working at a clothing store. I was doing bar back at a bar in Santa Monica, which is like stocking the bar, keeping the bar stock. I was working at a restaurant. And what was the other one? I think it was two restaurants. Okay. It was was two Japanese restaurants, a bar back and a clothing store. My God. I was working some uh, two jobs a day. 
But I remember that, man. I worked 60-some days in a row. I was probably 21, and I was just, yeah, you can't tell me nothing. I'm in, I'm in L.A. <laughs> and you're sprinkling in this, like, event coverage. And yeah, yeah, trying to, trying to turn it, really, to making videos for a living. And there was another guy, Kenny Mack, who um, is from New York, and he used to work for Belvedere Vodka, and he really helped spark... Um, those I guess jobs as well because mm -hmm. he would do the same he was throwing events yeah. and he would have me shoot them and then he would send them back to LVMH mm -hmm. it's so crazy how it's the same type of companies you know so Louis Vuitton Wet Hennessy yeah. is a group that you're obviously well aware of they own a bazillion you know super influential brands Nike. and it's the same one today Nike New Era yeah you know um yeah it's so funny man yeah. gosh so you did the you do the easy video of you dunking yeah did you make the dunk no <laughs> no i didn't <laughs> not even really close either <laughs> but that's what made the video dope probably i i think yeah I, sure it made it amusing and it probably made it relatable to yeah. a lot of kids right yeah right. um but the like, explain in metrics, if you recall, like, how that blew up. Nothing. In comparison to what people are doing in viewership today... <laughs> yeah. Being... I would not even say that I... It went viral. I think it went culturally viral. Mm -hmm. You know? Viral is millions. Yeah. Today. Today. Yeah. And even even back in the day, like, mm -hmm. what were those videos? Chocolate Rain yeah. and yeah. Uh, stuff like this, you know what I mean? Um, culturally, mm -hmm. it, it hit went the right everyone viral. There was mattered. no one in street culture, street wear, sneaker culture, I don't believe, who did not know of what I was doing. Yeah. And still to this day, it, it resonates in a way that's super impressive because mm -hmm. I'll go to different countries... You know, Amsterdam and um, major cities, of course, people yeah. who follow it. But still, people will recognize me in the street. Mm -hmm. And I think it's insane. It's been seven, eight years. Yeah. And there's people who don't even follow me anymore. Mm -hmm. And they'll tell me a story about how, oh, they started, you know, um, DJing after. Or they went to this class for college. Or they moved to Japan because they saw the Japan video. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's dope. That's always why i think it was such a special time because for what was out there back then it meant more yeah uh there's a lot of people doing stuff today i could easily open up my telephone find good content find sexy girls find all these things that i would be interested in you just couldn't do that eight years ago man yeah absolutely levi's willingness to build his dream is admirable here he understands that going viral with millions of views and tons of money wasn't as important at that time as going culturally viral. The value of each viewer had so much more impact. People changed their jobs and people moved to the other side of the planet after watching a Maestro Knows video. Some people find their place in this culture without making it all about the money. They value opportunities as currency. And they not only try, they know that's their way to make an impact. So after that went culturally viral, <laughs> did the work start flowing in after that? Like, did you get a lot of requests? Six months later. <laughs> really? Yeah, because 
I probably did two or three jobs in those first six months of people who were hip to um, what I was already doing. So I remember Lena and Nike messed with me again. They they let me do Nike Campus, mm-hmm. which was absolutely insane. I mean, that's like another piece of history that you'll never get again. Going to be Still to this day, I've never seen a video show Nike Campus. Mm. Maybe there's stuff online, I'm sure, here and there. But I made a video showing the entire Nike <laughs> headquarters. Yeah. And somehow, too, I don't even know. This was really just like Lena and me. She got whatever, some approval over there. But they stuck me with one guy. And me and him rolled the whole place the whole day. And I don't know if anyone knew what we were doing or what. And I edited that video and I put that thing up. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just would not work like that today. No, there'd be so many layers of approval, this disapproval. Is, they're the yeah. ultimate red tape company, man. <laughs> That's who they are. Like Nike, quote unquote, the red tape company, right? Like this would be <laughs> right. super appropriate for them. So yeah, she got me more stuff. Um, what other projects? Jen Yu, who was at New Era at the time. Yeah, Jen I did Yu. some stuff for her. Aaron Levant, who created Agenda, was doing Seventh Letter. Mm-hmm. Uh, him and Kellen Rowland, they they let me do some stuff for Agenda and Seventh Letter. So it was people who were already familiar and they saw what I was doing. Yeah. And then it was really Phil who brought me out to Bread and Butter. This was my first time to Europe. Mm-hmm. And then he brought me out again. And when I went the second time, I went all around Europe for a month. Um, but that summer, too, it was, you know, six months, I guess, one year. Then it was really on. Yeah. Yeah. Then I was getting stuff. Then all of a sudden, I had six figures. And I was I was like, wow, um, this is really, uh, <laughs> this is real, you yeah. know. And it's not even real yet. Because still, okay, let's say one year later, summer 2010 content still wasn't doing nothing Mm -hmm. brands still didn't have social media accounts and they for sure weren't putting video content on it if they did yeah if they were it was their proper tv commercial or something right and yeah the job started rolling and and it was getting you got to remember too let's say i'm getting 40 50 thousand for some job doing Mm -hmm. a couple videos or something this is peanuts to these people yeah I mean, they're they're spending parties throwing way more money than this. Mm-hmm. You might as well spend it on something that's actually beneficial. It's right. going against some advertising, do some marketing for you. Mm-hmm. You're going to go throw an event on the corner in one major city. You want to put some photos up online. Who cares? Right. Not telling any story. Yeah. And you got to remember, too, what they're shooting in actual paying production companies. You're shooting a commercial, it's a million plus dollars. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to run it on television. How much pay you got to put behind that for people to see it? Right. Yeah, so it's a bargain to actually pay you like fifty thousand to make like a quick video. Still to this day, it's a bargain. Yeah, right. But and, and that's why media, and that's why companies love new media. What? Yeah. Like people think it's so crazy that so and so got ten thousand dollars to make an Instagram post because they got three hundred thousand followers or whatever it is. Yeah, I guess sure it is crazy in a certain sense, but not to the company. No. It's a joke to the company. If you saw the money that these companies were printing, yeah, my goodness, man, right. this is what they, this is how they make money. They spend ten thousand 
to make 20, 30, 50. Mm -hmm. They're not stupid. That's why they have billions of dollars. <laughs> yeah. Did you, um, this whole time in that first six to 12 months, did you still have those jobs? Like when did you stop the bar back, the food running? When no, no, no. I stopped those. Uh, from the very first video that I put out of my channels, I did not have a job. Even maybe six months before that. When I went on tour at the end of 2008 with Anthony, I didn't. And I was barely getting by. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have stories, man. I had to move out of an apartment, use my last month's rent as the final payment because I didn't have any money. So like, here, give me 30 more days, take my money, and then I'll be out. Uh -huh. And you did, you, did you leave that apartment? Yeah. Wow. Jeff, how about I went to Japan twice? Two times in a row, my first two times to Japan. I came back both times to turn on my phone when the airplane landed and didn't have service because I hadn't paid my bill. I just came back from Tokyo, either for free or getting paid, mm -hmm. and I don't even have money to, to pay my phone bill. It, I mean, it was so close. It's just memories don't even understand yeah. how that happened. Right. I went to Europe for my first time traveling around Europe for one month. I went to five countries. When I left, I had $360 in my bank account. When I went to go on a trip for, for a month. month. <laughs> yeah. When I came back, I had 40 bucks. Would you call that recklessness? I guess I call it living, man. <laughs> because what, what were the choices? Go or don't go. Right. What am I going to do? Run out of money? Somebody, I'm going to find a way back. Mm -hmm. Somebody's going to help me get back. Or I'm going to pay. Somebody's going to hire me for a job there and I come back some way. Well, someone more conservative might say, I have $360 in my bank. Maybe I shouldn't go to Europe for a month. True. But how many conservative 21-year-olds are there in this world? <laughs> Plus... The trip was taken care of, mm -hmm. so I knew how to flight there and back. Right. Worst case scenario, where am I going to eat and where am I going to stay? And That's most of the those are pretty worst case scenarios. Those are. <laughs> However, I knew a lot of them were already handled because at this time too, I'm a real cool guy now, right? I'm the cool guy making videos. Mm -hmm. People really wanted to hang with me, <laughs> so they were hosting me here yeah. and there, and I pretty much knew that I wasn't going to need money. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't. I had no job on the table. When no one back, was yeah. giving me a check when I got there. Right. $360, one month a year. That's a story I can tell for the rest of my life. Yeah, that's true. And it just trips me out because, yes, today, no, I'm not doing that. Mm. I'm not going today for a month of $300. <laughs> right. Not going to happen. That's dope. <laughs> Man. It's crazy, right? Life's wild. <laughs> the age-old question, how bad do you want it? How far onto the ledge are you willing to walk? I don't want to say I necessarily condone Levi's behavior. Some would say it's actually insane. But like Levi said, he has a story for the rest of his life now. Would I have done it? At any point in my life? I don't think so, to be honest. It's not in my nature. I'm a lot more calculated and risk-averse. I also like knowing when my next meal will occur. But the moral of the story here is when you see an opportunity, you must assess for yourself what the pros are and what the cons are. Then make a decision and live with it 100%.
I would say you sort of like, in my opinion, you you always like walk your own path, mm-hmm. you know, um, and you don't do like the obvious thing. Like you had this momentum going with like the videos, and if someone had to be like, predict what Levi's going to do in three years. Oh, he's going to have a boutique agency and he's going to have like 30 different clients and a team of a dozen and he's going to be cranking out these videos, right? But it's like, then at that point, you stop seeing the videos, you know? And now like, then there was a time where like you dabbled into other things like pop-up retail stores, a clothing line. I still to this day use a coffee mug that you designed. Yes. (laughs) Epic. (laughs) Like random, like... We have a beach towel that has, like, your name on it. Like, random fucking shit, right? And then I think, I don't know if it's because of, and maybe you could expound on this, but, like, I don't know if it's because of the the platforms have changed for, like, how people consume video. But, like, you stepped away from doing the videos that you were known for, you know. And now you're doing it in, like, a different way where it's more, like, self-expression storytelling. So, to me, the if there's one consistent thing, thread throughout all of that is that when you do something and it starts to check you then exit and do something else oh no <laughs> that's my outside observation i gotta change my way no maybe not maybe that's your calling um well what do you think do you agree or disagree i definitely with agree so from 2009 to 11 i was rocking i think i made a lot of the right choices and i really had something special built out and financially too. Yeah. Like you you said like you're making six plus figures mm-hmm. a year, like you're cranking. Yeah. Okay. Um I think a few things got in my way. The biggest one was distraction. It's very hard to continue to produce whatever you produce Mm -hmm. so i made videos it was very hard for me to continually make videos because editing is a pain in the ass especially the way i cut stuff together Mm -hmm. i mean i'm making stories that have no script it's miserable storytelling dude i mean you basically go out and you shoot a ton of stuff and then you go sit in front of the computer for 20 to 40 hours right. and try to make sense of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just not ideal, you know. I love it, sure, but I also hate it. Mm. And I don't know. I've definitely made over 100 videos. In the scheme of things, I suppose that sounds pretty measly. But I look back on that. It's a heck of a body of work. For one man. For one person. Mm-hmm. And... um you mix in a little things with that. You mix in some money, a nice place to live, a cool car, girls, food, all this stuff that's just really lovely in life. <laughs> and um, I didn't just go sit around and get fat or something, right? But I really began to allow myself to spend time on things that were not entirely beneficial to my progression. Yeah. This is a mistake. It's still something I fight to this day. I notice it's just a difficult thing. I was terrible in school growing up. I probably still would be if I went to school right now. Mm -hmm. It's difficult for me to focus. I don't know if I have ADD. 
I don't really know that I believe in it mm -hmm. anyway, so I've never checked. But I think I might be a little more disabled than your regular person. And um, at that same time, I also was shooting for some other things. My goal when I began my show was to have a television show. Mm -hmm. I wanted to recreate, I wanted to redefine reality television because what I make is real. Yeah. And those are the stories that I'm passionate about. Versus I, what you see on reality television. Reality not, television has 90 some odd percent of, which is just made up and scripted and mm -hmm. shock value and so on and so forth. And unfortunately, I feel really influenced so much of what is online content today. Mm, yeah. Because people saw like, oh, shock value really infatuates people. Mm -hmm. So let me go make my videos real shocking and stupid and over the top because it's just going to make people either talk about it or say how dumb it is and uh, but they're tuning in regardless regardless. Yeah. So I wanted to make a show just as I did but in 22 minute format and I wanted it on MTV. Mm -hmm. I didn't think it had to be on MTV but of course I think that's where it should have been. Yeah. And I got all the way to the point where I was on the 23rd floor in the corner office with the executive producer and had a deal with my name on paper. And we negotiated deal points for three months and I had to make a choice uh, to risk my livelihood on the show's success or continue to try to build outside of it. And I chose to, to try that because if my show went for several episodes and got canceled... MTV would have owned a lot of my, not my life, but they would have owned a lot of my financial life. <laughs> yeah. And what I had created previously. Right. Just, all of it belongs to them. <clears throat> not all of it, but a heck of a lot of it. Yeah. And uh, at this point, we're in 2011. I think it was getting a bit risky. Rob Deerdick was owning the network. I mean, his stuff was doing super great, but he was also kind of on a on a tail end a little bit. I mean, what he had already done was super cracking and mm -hmm. he's maintaining now, but I focused so much on pushing into that. And then once that sort of was there, I also had this other thing come up with um, <clears throat> the infinity piece, uh, which I then formed into this company, Bacom, mm -hmm. with your help. And... Um, This was maybe the best idea of my entire life as far as the product. Mm -hmm. I really believed that the thing could be so enormous uh, that it may have been more significant than anything else I would have ever made. Mm -hmm. But then there was the tear of being in a relationship with two people. Mm -hmm. And which one do you love more? Who are the two people? The two people was videos and become. Yeah. Yeah. And one of them treat me super well because they come in, hey, where's this brand over here? We have money, make a video. Okay, great. I got to pay my, uh, got to pay my um, living for my nice brand and all this that I have, right? right? But then the other thing, I was making money as well. Mm -hmm. And it even started doing good. And I understood the potential of having a backup plan in life and being able to creative direct and come up with more unique ideas. And, oh, there was such 
purpose and meaning behind it. Mm -hmm. I mean, the product was created for someone that I loved. Yeah. And in turn, people were buying it for people they loved. How powerful, right? Yeah. Uh, so then the worst thing happened. Both things that I love began to suffer. And they suffered more and suffered more and suffered more. And I didn't know how to fix them. And it came down to it that I end up uh, choosing one. And I chose videos because I think it was the wiser decision all around. And uh, that took four years mm -hmm. to that figure was, that puzzle that, out. That was a four-year process from the day that it launched. Mm -hmm. Really, it was kind of a five-and-a-half-year process. This whole time, right? Four years of doing things insufficiently mm -hmm. or less than my best. Because you're stretched. Thin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, did I make some great videos and partnerships in four years? Yes. Did become touch people's lives and um, make some moments? Yes. But neither of them reached nearly their potential. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really what life is about as an individual is reaching your full potential. Mm -hmm. With, the, with um, the MTV conversation that you spoke about, do you think there was a miss where like you sort of were up, you became obsessed with like one definitive finish line goal versus just making videos you felt were like right making content you felt was right did you start thinking like i'm gonna make stuff so that mtv gets this deal done with me no i don't think so i really wanted the television thing i met with plenty of other networks too i got close with other ones as well mm -hmm. um i ended up being on a show on mtv as well for a little bit of time and you ended up getting a show on Fox Sports. Yeah, they ended up doing the, the good thing that I wanted. It just became difficult because it's with athletes. And I think athletes are even harder to get time with than celebrities <laughs> because their training and their availability and the amount of money they make for doing media. Unless, I mean, I'm talking people who are even my friends mm -hmm. who was hard to get time with and yeah. people I text message every week. Uh -huh. It was still difficult to find time to shoot the episode with them. So... But Fox was really smart because it was a guy who saw the videos that I made with athletes and said, will you do this just how you want, just the way you did it, but mm -hmm. for us? That's dope. And I said, wow, absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, okay, tell us what you need. I told them what they need. They gave it to me. Mm -hmm. And they ordered five of them and I made five of them. Was it lucrative for you? Yeah. I mean, it was uh, It's nothing. In, it's not like, again, it's not the golden days of, oh, you're on that network, you know, <laughs> you're yeah. some, no, it's not like that. It's, it was more the point of, um, the entire situation was just a really solid, great one. Yeah. The, those are the types of things that would be great to do always. You know? Um, okay. So go back now. You, you said you made the decision where like you're spreading yourself too thin. Um, become stops. You made the decision to stop become, uh, and focus on video. Does that bring us to current day or? Pretty much. It takes us to about one year ago. Okay. And now, if you look at your feed today, your videos have taken a different angle where it's much more like you don't interview people now. You interview yourself, essentially. At the moment, yeah. Tell us the evolution to what we see today from Maestro Knows. Um, so at the moment, if you look at the page, yes, you see a bunch of videos of me talking and... It's the, I guess it's sort of a reincarnation period because I 
feel my, so me at my strongest, me at my best is I'm a communicator. I, I tell, I tell stories. So telling stories visually, yes, but I actually tell them um, audibly. Mm -hmm. right. <laughs> so that's, that was the strongest link in Maestro Knows. As you see, it's, it's plenty of people vlog, vlogging today. And uh, even though I don't want to affiliate myself with that because I think the entire, um, the entire definition of what that is is something so separate. Mm -hmm. Aesthetically, it is quite similar. Right. However, I always had this sort of sentimental, motivational, you can do it too, mm -hmm. feel. That's why people watched. That's yeah. why they related. That's all I've ever heard from feedback. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Cool. The shoe looks cool. Uh, Nike Campus looks great. It's really about, hey, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Because you should be doing what you want to be doing. Right. Look at my friend and what he's doing, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, that's... That's my superpower if I yeah. had one, right? And I'm so hyped to have found that because a lot of people don't find theirs mm -hmm. or until very late in life. And I've known that for almost 10 years now. So I'm figuring out the ways to adapt to this current landscape that is society. Mm -hmm. Society is on, in tune with right now, which is so much online yeah. and social media. Because I understand that at my highest frequency, I was putting out a video a week. So that's nothing anymore. Mm -hmm. That's not impressive. I know. You know. There's people putting them out every day. Yeah. Now, how do I fall somewhere in between? Mm -hmm. Because I'm not going to make a video every day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> not until I have several people working with me. Then I'd be down to do it. But it's just too much work. Right. You can drive yourself insane. One of my friends does it. He puts a video out on YouTube every single day. He's... He seems miserable. He really does. Yeah. And uh, I understand he's on a mission, mm -hmm. but uh, he really complains about it a lot, even though he's doing good and he's growing and everything, you know? And the videos are just about absolutely nothing. And it's a person I really love. They, they're, he's, yeah. Anyway, I admire what he's doing, but it's just, it's almost suicide. It's, yeah. it's insane. So It really robs the love <clears throat> out of the thing that you love to do, right? Man, what? <laughs> so... The videos that I've been making um, recently are one minute long so that they can go across all the different social medias. If you're listening, yes, there is more social media than just Instagram. Mm -hmm. There is one called Twitter and Facebook. Um, and I'm talking about the things I'm going through in life. It must be the most fun thing I've done that I can remember. It's therapeutic. It's memorable, it's uh, emotional, it's, it's so, it's everything that I am. I mean, one, one time I'm going to tell you about how I think I'm done eating meat, and the next time I'm going to tell you about uh, how I have to take a shower every day before I go to sleep, you know? It's yeah. really things, and then I'm connecting them to why they're making sense in my life or what they're making me learn. <clears throat> so I suppose I used to want to reinvent reality television. Now I want to reinvent what a motivational speaker is. Mm. 
because I think that the ones that I see out there are ridiculous. To me, I would just never buy into it. And I understand there's lots of people that identify with different voices. But the last thing that I'm going to let someone do is militantly speak to me, telling me the things that I should do with my life. Yeah. I'm not buying it. I don't care if you are a trillionaire. Mm -hmm. I love Bill Gates, man. I wouldn't even let Bill Gates talk to me like that. So what I am doing is allowing people to relate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're pretty raw, some of them, too. It's, uh, it's unadulterated communication. Mm -hmm. There's nothing in between us but these words. Yeah. And in a day like today, I think that's uh, super special. Mm -hmm. So... Each time I go out and I have a location in mind and I kind of have a thought in mind, I start saying it in my head until I feel like I have about one minute's worth. Oh, you're not like... I don't write it down. It. Really? Nope. Get out of here. I can't because if I do it, then I'm going to be so super uber television host. Right. Because I got that in me. Yeah. I can really be that on camera guy, uh -huh. right? The funny thing that a lot of people don't know if they've never been on screen before is... You sort of have to be overzealous because the way that you come off on the screen, if you're sitting there and you're super boring. It's like dead boring. Yeah. yeah it's weird. The camera sort of removes 40% of your height, right? Like in a way. So again, I'm trying to find that balance. Word. Where can I speak straight from the heart, mm -hmm. but not be sitting there pausing and talking about, um, and you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And. Uh, like this and like that every word that I'm choosing is carefully chosen mm -hmm. because what I'm actually doing with this the whole reason why I'm doing this series I'm writing a book I want to write a book for six years and I've never began it mm -hmm. until I start making the videos this is the content for your book this is the content for the book because once I do it I can finish and I can say hey uh, do you know how I wrote this book I wrote this book uh, so many different days in my life, mm -hmm. going out and making a video. Mm -hmm. And the entire book would also be available as a visual yeah. if you want to watch it. Right. I think that's extremely unique. That's dope. But nonetheless, the reason why I am doing it is because this is how I'm allowed to do it. Mm -hmm. It's my workaround. If I'm going to sit down and try to write a book, I'm running into a wall. Mm -hmm. How do I get around the wall? I go the only way I know how. It's by filming myself. Right. Um, so, uh, and the only last to add to that is just today I finished the episode of My Chernose. So I will make this till the end of time. And really, I want to make several different series about all the things I'm interested in life. The one I was just talking about is my thoughts. Mm -hmm. But I love food. I love music. I love people. So I would like to have this space, which may be my YouTube page now, maybe every social media. I'm putting them on everywhere. Where... I show everything that I love. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, so Maestro Knows is still like a separate still show. alive. Okay. I think I have six of them shot right now. I, wow. I need to edit them and I want to shoot more. Mm -hmm. You and I still have one that we've never made. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I don't think those ever end. Mm -hmm. I just don't know if it ever becomes some weekly series like it once was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Levi and I get really deep in the last few minutes here. He speaks extensively about a mistake he feels he might have made that took over four years for it to work itself out. It takes a lot of courage to speak about something like that. Losing businesses, losing direction, losing loves. 
These are topics that could touch a sensitive nerve with almost everyone. Even as Levi was saying it to me, I began wondering, well, what if I didn't have a clothing line and a design agency and a retail store? Maybe if I just concentrated on clothing, Staple would be the size of Ralph Lauren today. Maybe I should have never opened Reed Space. Was that a 15 year long mistake? Being unafraid to listen to your regrets and reinvent yourself is a key to life success. Change is hard, but we either step forward into growth or step backward into safety. When we ran into each other most recently in Dubai at Seoul DXB, you had just come off like a month long, right? Month or three months? Four month. Three, yeah. Three month sabbatical, basically. <laughs> right? Through Europe. Sabbatical, yeah. And I think what, like, you know, one of the reasons why um, I thought you'd be really interesting to speak to now is because you have gone from zero, right? Like growing up, hustling, working like four jobs, to then getting to a point where like you are, by all means of a definition, a success. Doing what you love, making six-figure plus out of it, owning your own companies, right? And then when I met you last month, it was like, I just went through Europe for four months and I didn't know, you were telling me that you didn't know where you were going or coming from or where you were sleeping or staying, right? And mm-hmm. it's like, that to me is, I think a lot of people might say like, wow, like, how, how did you fuck up? Like, what happened? Mm-hmm. But to me, because I'm sort of living in the matrix, <laughs> like, to me, it's like you unplugged from the matrix, which takes a lot of balls, you know? So I wanted to speak to you more about, like, what, you know, how did it feel to unplug yourself out of the game, in a sense? Yeah. And now, maybe with a clearer head, you can decide, this is how I want to re-enter, maybe I want to try something else, but, like, just... Exiting yourself out of the race is a very ballsy thing to do. Yeah. Comments? (laughs) (laughs) I went through a pretty strugglesome two years of life. Or maybe one and one and some change. And uh, I got to a point where I realized I didn't have a place to live. And... I didn't have any obligation really than to myself. Mm -hmm. And as stripped and sad as it was, it was also a super luxury. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people make commitments in their lives that they then have to grasp the screener effect. And would like to change, but it's too late or too deep. It's never too late, in a way. Right, but, but they think they think it is. Yeah. They well, these- once you got other people and other you know things involved, it can be pretty deep and pretty messed up if you just are entirely selfish. Yeah. With my thing, my life was kind of handed right back to me, and um, what do you want to do, Maestro? That that was uh, that was my POV, mm-hmm. and I had said a lot of things that I would have wanted to do before I thought I was committed to all sort of different stuff. 
and um, I had just gone to Europe for the month of April. So yes, I did spend four months there this year, one month and then three months separately. And I ran a half marathon in April for a job, my friend Joey with the Berlin Braves. And I went to three cities, went Berlin, Amsterdam, Paris. I had the time of my life. Mm -hmm. like Europe, me and Europe, man, it's just, that's a place for me, you mm -hmm. know? I love the, the, the short visits you can make everywhere. It's just, I never mature as quickly as when I go there. Mm -hmm. So I said, man, I want to come back. Maybe I can get a job. Maybe I can do something. I want to spend the summer here. And I was a little late. I didn't get back to the end of July. But I was able to stay till October. I went to eight or nine countries, 15 cities. And the reason I went was because I want, that's what I wanted. Mm -hmm. If I can live the rest of my life right, I will live it by what I want. Mm. Some people would say that's called selfishness. Yeah, absolutely. But do you think it's okay? Depends what you're choosing as your destiny. Again, if you're involving other people... And you have responsibility and obligation, then you need to honor that and be good to it. But I suppose if you're living your life for you, then it's pretty much up to you what you want to do. Word. Now, there are certain people in my life that if they called me, if they asked me, I'm going to be there no matter where I am. Mm -hmm. So it's not like I'm entirely detached to something, but... It's extremely liberating to ask yourself, what, what do you want to do right now? Or where do you want to be? And be able to grant that right. to yourself. Yeah. And I'm not, I can't even like, I mean, right now I'd love to be in Tahiti. I'm not there and I can't go right now. <laughs> but this summer I could go to Europe indefinitely. Yeah. And I went and it was for sure one of the most amazing trips and times in my life. I learned so much stuff. Uh, I was a super sponge. I absorbed. I went and spoke to. Uh, I went and spoke to everybody that I was uh, wanting to speak to. Just totally living in the free world. Yeah. As much as you can in 2017, mm -hmm. 2018. You know. Yeah. Because we're we're really in the hole right now, man, in all sort of ways. Mm -hmm. But there are still these. Uh, there's still so much beauty around you wherever you are. Yeah. Is like the career path a concern of yours right now? Yeah, it... totally. So it's not just living for Levi. It's like... No, I still want to make a lot of million dollars. <laughs> a lot of them. <laughs> mm -hmm. And the reason why is because I've seen what money does. Mm -hmm. You've seen it firsthand. Man. Money can make some cool things happen. And <clears throat> I just recently calculated by old emails. I, I, I hope it doesn't come off whack, but really, I don't care, man. I, I donate money, you know. And I've donated more money than maybe I make in a couple years of my life. And I kind of didn't even know that because I just kind of give when it's there. And I try to give as much as I give. Because the people I give to are doing like the most amazing things in life. They're saving people's lives. Mm -hmm. This is the stuff that matters. I mean, it's people in our world that don't have food and we're not feeding them. Yeah. A lot of us can feed them. 
with, with next to nothing. Mm-hmm. So the way I see my life unfolding is the more that I go earn influence financially, knowledge wise, I can give. Mm-hmm. The more that I earn, the more I can give. Right. And I'm not saying I'm holier than now. I'm not trying to go give everything that I earn. But it's a huge motivation in my life. Mm-hmm. Because, man, when you have fed someone, when you have given someone a medical operation, oh, man, you, you, you really understand why we're here. You know, it's compassion is got to be the most special part of life yeah to be able to show compassion to others is next to nothing man and uh i want to i want to do so much more of that mm-hmm. and it's a lot of people doing really cool things that are uh, in high places it's uh slightly unfortunate that maybe the world is built out like that but um it's also a huge motivator to get further right somebody was talking to me at the interview in dubai they asked me they asked me some question and i had that realization for the first time i said you know everybody's trying to get further (laughs) it was so simple when i said it out loud i don't even remember to what Mm -hmm. but i just thought oh everyone's trying to get further than where they are that makes life just seem so simple mm-hmm. you know yeah day by day some people mesmerize themselves trying to do too much at once they don't even begin because they haven't thought of the entire blueprint yet mm-hmm. well you're not going to ever really get anywhere if you try to solve the whole equation first you know right do some multiple choice like yeah, <laughs> yeah. phone your friend <laughs> get a little closer and then you'll realize the next step right right so you're not a believer in figuring it all out before you make your first It's move. impossible. I don't think anything's impossible but that. <laughs> Could be. Yeah. I, that was another huge thing I've learned in the last year or two of my life. I know nothing. The only thing I know is that we're having a conversation right now. <laughs> really. Yeah. The only stuff I know is in the past, man. Mm-hmm. Anything I'm trying to go do, that whole cool idea of how I told you I'm writing my book with what I'm making my video, I was like, I don't know that that's going to work, but I'm going to get there and find out. And I believe it will. Mm-hmm. You know, the more I believe, the closer yeah. I know to it. And I'm going to tell you that I know, but I don't actually. It's, it's like, it's fact and belief. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> if you believe something, you know. Mm hmm. But it is not it's fact. factual. In your head. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Um, let's talk a little bit about like balancing like your brand, your business life, you know, what you're trying to accomplish on a sort of professional level versus like personal life, you know, like the difficulties or not difficulties or like what have you learned in the past few years about trying to like make it all work out right. Mm. <clears throat> One thing fun, I guess, to say, because I, I definitely learned something. Well, I don't know that I learned something from you, but I I observed it. You're super good at making decisions without taking it personal or without 
connecting yourself to it. Because as a creative person, you're passionate, right? Mm -hmm. A good creative is a passionate person. Yeah. See, here I am like, hitting the table as you told me not to. <laughs> and it's really hard for me when I'm making something I care about. I'm making decisions based off of emotions. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I'll see you say things sometimes and you just, you, look, you were able to look at it as such a, a further perspective. Well, this is how it actually looks, you know? It may look great to you right now because you've been up for 24 hours thinking about it. <laughs> but trust me, I just came off a night's sleep, you know, and this thing's yellow. <laughs> that's super helpful, mm. probably to be able to balance that business thing. And maybe that's why I've never been a good businessman. I'm so passionate. Mm -hmm. I wanna... And it's personal. Like the, this thing you created, if someone doesn't support it or buy it or yeah. sign on to it, you're sort of saying you're making a character judgment on me because I mm. made this. I'm, you know what? <clears throat> I'm not that connected. Not a character judgment, but it is a personal judgment. It's, I, I always want to go the way I believe. Mm -hmm. I've always said, um, the, the realist, the greatest artists make what they want. They don't make for anyone else. You cannot own a brand or a company and do that. <laughs> Unless you are an artist selling artwork, right? Yeah, but even then... Even they have that the way, it's smarter to yeah. maybe cater to your audience. Exactly. <clears throat> I don't... I can't cater to the audience, man. I don't want to do that. Because... I know that it's possible. <clears throat> I know. <laughs> right. I know that it's possible to do it the way that I want and for it to still be a success. Mm -hmm. So that, I think, has hindered me a lot of times because a lot of people don't mind making the decision. Oh, people like red shirts right now? Cool. Hey, this, this season, we're making red shirts. Yeah. Um, because if, if, <clears throat> if you go back to what you just said about like, you want to make to then give back. Yeah. Isn't it then advantageous for you to make red shirts for everyone? Because then you can give back faster. True. Great point. Another one of the difficult decisions <laughs> to make yeah. on this thin, long plank that is success. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, even if you look at it from like musicians as an analogy, because I think you know, I always, I'm a, I'm a fan of music and you are too. And you see how some artists just play the formulas, right? They, oh, just, yeah. they just know what hits and they make what hits. Oh, yeah. And in doing that, they spread fast. Yeah. So everyone knows about them, but maybe we don't respect them. Mm -hmm. And then you've got the other artists, which is like the ones that we respect that put out one album every 10 years yeah. and you're salivating for a, a yeah. single, right? But it's like, man, if you just put out some more, Okay, so perfect example of what this would have been in my life. Levi Maestro, uh, join YouTube and daily vlog. Yeah. You know how many people over the years have told me to do that? And who knows? I don't know what... It's hypotheticals, right? Yeah. Sure, maybe I would have a million subscribers. Maybe I'm looking exactly the same. I don't think it would have worked for me because I don't have that type of personality. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be in the camera, all loud, super stupid, throwing stuff at people. Like, whatever they do, that's mm -hmm. not me. Mm -hmm. I just simply cannot do it. Right. 
However, if you look at the formula of what works, that's where you should stick me. Yeah. Right. But you chose self-happiness over that. And self-respect, really. I think... And also, I thought it's possible to build a brand and more of a production company Mm -hmm. by being away from there. Mm -hmm. Because so many of these people on social media do not realize that if you do not have an obvious talent or service, you will be out of here soon. As soon as that social media that you're popping on has turned over or whatever it may be. Or changes an algorithm. Like literally like. Changes an algorithm. Dude, when Instagram changed the algorithm, people lost like their mortgage. (laughs) So for me, it's never been about followers. It's been about I provide a service and a talent. My service is video production. My talent is storytelling. Now. There's plenty of people to do both of those Mm -hmm. and with more numbers than me. Mm -hmm. And that's great. They're probably doing better than me. But what I am not is a YouTube vlogger. (laughs) And I won't be. Mm -hmm. I think I have a pretty good idea of where content is headed in the next two to three years. Mm -hmm. I just saw Facebook put up a billion dollars and Apple put up a billion dollars for production for 2018. That gives me a pretty good idea of who's going to be running media in two to three years from now. Mm -hmm. And I think that those people are going to get behind and invest money in people that know what they are doing and that have a story to tell. So I'm building now for what I am forecasting is going to be the landscape in 2020, Mm -hmm. which is the first time I've ever done something like this. Mm -hmm. I've never thought ahead like that. But because of what happened to me since 2009, I am now able to look back and say, wow, you were really onto something back then. Mm -hmm. And uh, now maybe you should plan this new thing to sort of be in the proper space for those people to get behind. Because you can do do, uh, creative and you can do business in two ways. One, you go direct to consumer. Or the other, you get people to pay for everything. Mm -hmm. And the smartest, successful people will tell you, never spend your own money. Not saying you have to spend your money to start a business. I mean, some people, even you probably, I think you started with pretty much nothing. You were able to build it to be crazy successful. Um, But you're dependent now upon the people who support your brand, which really may be the better way. It's such a 50-50. Which one's better? Uh, you know, having the support from the people or having support from the higher ups with lots of money. Right. That's a tough call. Yeah. It's, it's like the freelance employee just in between, right? Uh, so for me, I think people are very fickle these days. And again, on both sides. But if I'm sitting on social media and I think I personally follow 400 people or something like this. I follow a lot of those people that I just clicked on them because it looks cool. I'm not invested mm-hmm. at all. I can unfollow them tomorrow yeah. and never even think about them again. Unfortunately, this is where we are nowadays. Mm-hmm. Whereas before, I wasn't buying some guy's album for $9.99 that I didn't know I really wanted. Right. You had to make a wiser choice because you were investing. Yeah. 
You have to really consider it. There is no more investing needed today. Everything is free. Mm -hmm. I mean, goodness, even Apple Music cost me $9 or $15 or something, and I'm getting everybody. Mm -hmm. Ha, give me more. Greed, greed, greed. (laughs) You know? Yeah. I mean, how much money have I paid uh, Drake over the years? I have no clue because I've never had to buy his album. Mm -hmm. I listen to it a lot. Yeah. I would love to see that percentage. Right. I would love to see. Have How I paid Drake $47? I don't know. Probably not. Probably not. And that blows my mind. Because mm-hmm. I've even been to the concert, I think, and even that was free. <laughs> and so, it's just such a big question mark. Mm-hmm. So, the only thing you got left is either to try to earn money right now, today... Or to forecast and set yourself up like a business plan that, that hopefully pans out well in the future. Mm-hmm. So in your best case scenario, in that five years, where do you see yourself now? I will be traveling the world, speaking to people in real life in exchange for money. That's very specific. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> because it is something that already exists. And yeah. I've gotten paid for it before. Mm-hmm. I've gotten paid thousands of dollars to speak for one hour to people. Mm-hmm. Like... Years ago, already, I've done it numerous times. Yeah. So if that already existed in my own life, I for sure know it's possible. Because I'm not talking hypotheticals, right? right. not talking Tony Robbins. I have no clue how much that guy gets paid, but I know it's pretty good, right? Mm-hmm. This will never go away. Live interaction, they might figure out how to make it feel distant as possible with VR and all this stuff, but there will always be a demand. And maybe the more distance they place in between it, the more demand will come. Yeah. But uh, the more value on a in real life experience. All these artists making money on the road mm-hmm. and uh, these um, celebrities and influencers, blah, 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 they're getting paid to post and uh, they're getting paid to show up at um, events. And yeah. So there's money to be made in. Being able to reach out and touch something. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the idea, I guess, is if the people want the product. Yeah. And I want to bring it back around to let's be here in this space and interact. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's be here with each other. Yeah. Because there's no substitute for that. We will try and we will try and we will get very close to succeeding. But there simply will never be a substitute for it. We've, we've got hologram, we've got VR, you know, mm-hmm. we've got some machine that you can like touch and smell and feel, you know what I mean? But it's just, it will never be like the real thing. So um, my plan is to continue making videos to communicate to people until the point that I get to communicate them with them in real life. And uh, in exchange for that, I, I plan on being able to uh, charge money. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Uh, all right. Anything else you want to add? I think this went really well. <laughs> <laughs> it did. No, I'm glad uh, you sat down with us and shared your your deepest roller coaster ride of like learnings. It's just like this, you know. You're here doing this today because you also understand the value in it. And if it were up to us, we probably would have done this in front of an audience right now, right? Yeah, right? we've kind of even done it before. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I just um, that that compassion realization is something I'm always trying to remember and get closer to. 
because I'm such an opinionated person, man. I'm really trying to draw myself back from that. I totally judge a book by its cover, even though I know not to. So on my better days, I don't. Mm. But on a lot of my days, I do. I do too. I think we all do. Mm. And it's trying to figure out those moments. It's so weird. Sometimes I have a memory about the oddest things. I remember that other thing on Twitter, and I remember this other one now too, that I I once tweeted that, you know the, the moment in life when you experience something and it clicks? I'm trying to make that moment my entire life because I'm aware and awake. And however I worded that, I remember that you retweeted it. I don't know how I remember that, I just remember it. <laughs> so it's such a fun moment to reflect on because it's something that makes sense to the both of us. Mm -hmm. And that's why conversation and words are so amazing. Everything in life can be fixed by communicating. Mm -hmm. And so little can be fixed without communicating. Right. Exactly. It's crazy. This is where me and Jeff dap now. We dap it up. <laughs> if you were here in real life, you'd see that. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the episode. You should definitely follow Levi and his positive messages on Instagram at Levi Maestro. You can find out more about the show or listen to other episodes at hypebeast.com slash radio. Subscribe to us wherever you listen. I use Overcast. And you can reach out to me on Twitter at Jeff Staple. Check us out on the web at businessofhype.com. And you can email any questions you might have to questions at businessofhype.com. The Business of Hype is directed by Daniel Nevetta. It's edited and produced by Bright Young Things. You should check them out at byt.nyc. Engineering was done by Patrick Morris. Our intern is Caroline Cow. This was recorded at Sibling Rivalry Studio in New York and on location in Playa Vista, California. I'm Jeff Staple, and you've been listening to The Business of Hype on Hype Beast Radio.